Hi, this is George Thorgood. Hey, this is Pat Travers. Hey, this is Steve Lukather of Toto. Hi, y'all. This is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Jimmy Warren. Hey, everybody. Jimmy Warren here. Welcome to Guitar Talk. So thankful that you're tuning in today. Boy, we got another really great guest in store for you. This one's a little unique. I think you're really, really going to enjoy it. And hopefully you're going to go on to love this guy's music forever. <laughs> Before I get into it, you know, recently I met the uh, co-founder, one of the co-founders for a nonprofit organization called Guitars for Vets. This was an organization founded back in 2007. And um, they realized that sometimes guitars and guitar lessons were a catalyst for positive interaction. You know, and for some people, you know, it helped bring out that joy that they once lost in in their lives. And so really they work with um, military vets that have been diagnosed with PTSD. Now there's 120 chapters in 40 states of Guitars for Vets. Um, there's over 500 volunteers. They've gifted more than 4,000 guitars and 40,000 lessons to uh, men and women uh, across this country that suffer from the trauma that's related to their military experience. And so when I found out about it, of course, I'm passionate about all things guitar, but at the same time, I'm also uh, passionate about uh, helping our vets. You know, I'm an American. You know, you can't let these guys get, you know, Get get behind, you know, get laid down. You know, we really need to do our part. So I, w I wanted to step up and I, I invited Patrick to, to be a guest on the show to talk about uh, this organization. But at the same time, I wanted to get involved. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the website, Guitars for Vets, and that's what the number for, guitarforvets.org. Go there and check out. Now, look, at there's a lot of great uh, guitarists that are a part of this uh, organization. Tommy Emanuel, uh, Sully Erna, you know, from Godsmack, uh, Ian from Anthrax. I mean, there's just a lot of great musicians that have participated in this over the course of time. And so uh, there might even be a chapter in your area that you can get involved, you know, maybe you even want to make a donation to help them out. If that's the case, that would really be cool. So make sure you're going to their website. That's Guitar for Vets. Now, we're going to talk about it more as time goes on. I just wanted to bring some awareness to this, uh, you know, this nonprofit, to this organization, because you know what, we, we can't leave our vets behind. And I get it, man. You know, I'm a I'm a guitar player. I love playing the guitar. And I couldn't imagine going through the things that they're going through. And if that was me and I was in that situation and I didn't have a guitar, couldn't play guitar, I could understand how therapeutic it might possibly be. And not only that, but then they get the camaraderie of the organization, you know, because out of this, there's been guys that have started bands. You know, there are guys that, you know, go on to record together and do different things together. And so there's that association. And there's events, of course, that Guitar for Vets puts on, you know, across the country sometimes. So anyway, Guitars for Vets, go to their website, check it out. Well, we're going to be talking about it a lot more as they come on. On my uh, website, I'm going to put a link in the logo to Guitar for Vets. So that uh, people that come to our website, they can click on it and they can go right directly there and it can get more information. Okay? So I appreciate that. Now today, my guest is, uh, well, I don't want to say unusual, but it's a really cool story. It's an unusual story. The guitarist, his name is Jose Ramirez. Now, he comes from Costa Rica. Imagine this, you're a young man and you fall in love with the blues <laughs> and uh, the old blues, you know, not the rocking stuff that Walter Trout and Tommy Castro, you know, but the the uh, the traditional blues. But you can't play guitar, you don't know anything about it, and you're in Costa Rica where it's not the most popular thing. And you grow up and you learn to play guitar and you learn to play blues and you learn, you know, to appreciate 
the the history and the culture that surrounds the blues. You start a band in that area, you know, and get to the place to where you're doing pretty well. You come to the United States, you live in our nation's capital in Washington, D.C., and you go on to win the 2020 International Blues Challenge. And then you get signed to a label and release an album that's called Here I Come that's out now. That's Jose Ramirez's story. And it's a really good story. And you're going to enjoy listening to him talk about, you know, how he went from being that young man to, you know, to who he is today. You're going to find out, you know, about uh, his passion and love for the guitar and the blues and uh, the equipment that he uses and how he gets the sounds that he gets. And the one thing that's really cool is that he is... He's a traditionalist. He really wants to carry the torch for the traditional blues. So I think that's really cool. It's really authentic. And so uh, he's a super, super great guy. You're really going to enjoy this. So here we go. No more of me jabbering. (laughs) Here it is, Jose Ramirez. Hello. Hello, Jose. Is this him? How How you doing, buddy? How you doing, Jimmy? I'm real good. I'm real good. Great, thank you for calling. Uh, no problem. You're on the East Coast, or you're in Nashville? East Coast. East right Coast. Now. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. Because were you uh, were you in Austin for a period of time, or was that just no, for recording? I, that was just for the recording this past December for like ten days, but that that was it. Yeah. I got it. Everybody's got a, a story on how they got started playing. You know, as a young person, you know, yours is a little unique because. You know, you come from Costa Rica. Uh-huh. So, how did you get involved in playing the guitar to begin with? Yeah, that's kind of a crazy story. Um, I was uh, around 11 or 12 years old, and um, my friends in school, uh, they were starting to play the guitar as well, but they were playing rock and roll music. You know, in Costa Rica, it's not famous for the blues, and blues is really not popular at all down there. Uh, so I, I could see my friends from school playing music like, you know, like rock music, like Metallica or Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I, I was interested. I was like, huh, that, that's interesting. But I don't like the music they're playing. Um, my grandfather, my, my dad's dad, um, gave me for Christmas when I was around 11 or 12. He gave me an old rundown acoustic guitar that he kind of fixed himself, but it was not in great shape. And because um, he, he knew I was interested in learning how to play the guitar. And when he gave me that gift for Christmas, my dad told me, okay, you have the guitar your grandpa gave you, but don't even think about picking it up or playing it without listening to blues music. Because if you're real serious about playing the guitar, you have to listen to blues music first for a long period of time and then you can pick up the guitar and try to play some of that stuff you've been listening to. <laughs> so, uh, that, you know, that's that's funny because I, I kind of followed his advice. And I put the guitar in the corner of my room. I wouldn't touch it. And I just started listening to a bunch of Jolly Hooker, Lightning Hopkins, B.B. Uh, King, T-Bone Walker recordings. And uh, at some point, my dad was like, well, I think it's time you pick up that guitar and try to, you know, try to do some of those things you're listening to. And that's how it started. <laughs> wow. You know, that's funny because I remember a documentary I watched some years back, and Robert Cray made the comment that if you're going to play guitar, you really need to learn some blues first. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. It is so true. It, 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 what's what's kind of, uh, you know, unique about that is how did your dad, you know, <laughs> how did your dad get influenced by the blues? I mean, you know, to make that kind of statement. I know, yeah, it's interesting. My my parents have always been big uh, American oldies music aficionados, and they owned a business, a, a bar, and they used to play American oldies music. So I remember being uh-huh. six, seven years old, listening to Motown music at their business, uh, or listening to Stax recordings. Never a lot of blues, but my dad, for some reason, knew that if I wanted to play the guitar, he just knew that, you know, guys like B.B. King, T-Bone Walker were, were the teachers to really teach me that type of music, you know? Right. 
Right. So were you were you influenced in those early days by other people outside of blues or was, you know, that was really where your head was at? Well, to be honest with you, uh, I was I, I consider myself to always been I've been a purist since I was a kid. So 95 percent of it, I think it's just I was influenced by pure blues from the beginning. The other five percent, I think it's just I can't help. But some people sometimes listen to me play or come to a show and they tell me, hey, I can, I can hear a little Latin in there playing. I was like, well, I'm really not trying to sound Latin because <laughs> uh, my intention is to sound as blues as possible. But I guess it's helpless. It comes out. It's in my DNA. So right. there's going to be a little, you know, like maybe some Cuban music there that I've always loved as well. And uh, why not? I and mean, Mr. Carlos Antana is... Uh, it's got to be somewhere in there a little bit, you know? Right. Right. So so you're saying that the culture that you grew up in really didn't influence your playing. It was it was the American blues that was more the influence. But you have that hint because that's just who you are. You know what I yeah. mean? you got to have that, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah, just like you said right now, is I was – very very weird kid and i always tell this story when when we play our shows in the audience uh they, they kind of make fun of me but I, it's, it's supposed to be that way um i i was not the popular kid when i was in school or in high school i didn't have a girlfriend because i was this weird kid who was trying to play Lyndon hopkins music on his rundown acoustic <laughs> guitar while my friends were trying to play red hot chili peppers in their brand new telecaster steps or stratocasters you know right <laughs> that is so funny though you know it yeah. is it is and you know what it's such a huge tribute you know to to all those guys that have influenced everybody because if you go back and you look at the influences because that's what you should do you know if you got somebody that you really like their playing you really got to pay attention to their who their influences are and oh, yeah. and if you do that well you're going to go back to those guys for sure you know? it's a never-ending West. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so did you end up, uh, were you in bands in Costa Rica? Did you play at your dad's place? I mean, what were some of the experiences you had as a, as a young guitar player, you know, just learning in that and just finding your way, you know, there. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually my, my parents, when I was, when I was starting to, you know, play, a little better and I was able to play some songs and stuff like that um my parents had business the bar and they kind of encouraged me to to play and to put a band together but it was difficult finding musicians that could play blues music down there because all they knew was you know rock and roll reggae or salsa music or stuff like that so it was difficult but I was finally able to put my first band together when I was around 16 or 17 and uh we did play at my parents club uh every monday night so mondays was the slowest night um so my dad was like we're gonna we're gonna give you the stage for monday nights and you can you know uh hone your chops and prepare the band and the repertoire so that that was a good way i think it was i was very lucky to have that space and to have my parents support and we did that for maybe a year or so um after that, I started another band because the first one, the first one never works. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so I started a new band with more experienced musicians in Costa Rica that were not not necessarily blues musicians, but more experienced guys uh, that could understand what I was trying to have them play. So with that band, we, I had um, yeah, we played for like two two more years, and then. Uh, after fighting and just trying to really establish myself as a blues musician there, I was I started my own blues jam at a, at a different club um, downtown San Jose, which is the capital of Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. And um, I started my own blues jam. I had it for close to two years as well. And I produced myself a couple of blues festivals down there and was able to bring down from the States to Costa Rica a couple of great blues musicians to uh, headline the festivals. We had uh, Debbie Davis down in Costa Rica headlining the festivals. Mm -hmm. and, um, we had a couple other names, great, great blues musicians from the States. And after that, the, 
that that's how I link the story to what's happening right now. When Debbie Davies was down there, uh, my band was backing her up uh, at this festival, and she told me before we played, she's like, Jose, I can see all this effort you are doing to try and, you know, establish yourself as a blues musician and spread the blues here in your country, but I don't, I don't see how people are supporting you a lot here. Why don't you consider moving to the States? You're very young. Uh, you have a cool story. And blues is all about stories, having a story. So I think if you moved to the States, you would have a good chance. And uh, after talking to my parents, I was 26 when I moved here the first time. And uh, they, I mean, I'm an only child. So it was, it was a rough decision to make. But they supported me as they always did. They always do. And uh, I just moved here, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's a big, that's a big commitment, you know, to, to make that kind of jump. And, but, yeah. it, but it's also, it's also neat to have, you know, people like that encouraging you, seeing talent, you know, seeing ambition, you know, and inspiring you to, to make that kind of leap. Yeah. You know, no, for sure. My, my parents have been my, my strength since day one and they keep uh they keep supporting me they've supported me in the roughest times because it's it hasn't always been easy you know moving here knowing nobody um establishing myself as a, as a blues artist in, in this scene it's a very small scene um so it's difficult to get in there you know it's difficult to get in in that click if, oh, yeah. if you will um so it's been difficult and my parents have always been there so yeah, definitely. <laughs> right, because, you know, even, you know, as you said, getting into that click is really difficult, which I, I completely understand, uh, you know, and a lot of times you end up having to try to make your own way if you can't get into it, because there's a lot of great players that never find their, their niche into that. They can't ever break in. I, I'll give you, for instance, I don't know if I should share this, but I will. <laughs> are, are you familiar with Larry McRae? Oh, yeah, I love Larry. Yeah, Larry's a great guy. And I don't know if you know, but I've played, I've released nine albums in that, been on a few labels. And uh, I've known Larry, I've known Larry for a long time. And I remember at one time, you know, Larry having that conversation with me about how hard it is to, you know, to get the attention of, you know, that that inner circle, if you will, in blues. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember, you know, he'd, he'd released several albums. I mean, fantastic players playing all over the, the world and that. And, and I had a conversation with him one day and he's like, you know, I think I'm going to quit. I just, yeah. I, oh, just wow. I just can't do this no more. You know, thank God he didn't, of course, you know, and he went yeah. on to play, but it's, it's the frustration of a lot of people because it's really, really difficult. It's like any music though, you know, getting into that into that inner circle in any brand of or any genre of music is extremely difficult to do. But once you're yeah. in yes. and you're accepted, well, you know, it sure makes it a lot easier for you. So congratulations on, on breaking, Thank you. breaking into that. Are you self-taught or did you, uh, you take lessons? You Can you read music? Are you technically trained? Not technically trained at all. Uh, my, the only teacher I had was B.B. King <laughs> growing up, you know. Yeah. That was my professor on the albums and the records and uh, a bunch of other guys. Um, people sometimes ask me that question after the show. It was, who taught you? Did she go to school? I'm like, nope. I, I, if you put a piece of music in front of me, a sheet of music, I, I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. So I think it's a disadvantage. But in some points, it's, I, I see it as a benefit because it, it just it had – it's pushed me to to the limit to try and do things better myself, you know, and, and learn and try to accomplish, you know, learning the scales and, and the songs and the chords. I've, I've learned them by myself, listening to the records or looking at videos or stuff like that. But uh, I've been always been self-taught. So it's, it's an interesting thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I somebody told me one time, you know, that, uh, that uh, the the only problem with being self-taught is is that sometimes you can create bad habits, <laughs> right? That's true. It's, it's, That's it, true. It, it is true because you don't really know, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can't read music either. You know, I'm like <laughs> you. I couldn't. I couldn't. You put it in front of me, I'd have no idea. But uh, but but I can understand what they mean when they say that. 
Yeah. You know, so would you would you tell people, you know, young players that are you know want to get involved? Would you say that you know you really should do both, or or you should really just study the masters and follow what they're doing? Or oh man, I, it's funny because you just said something that I think I'm going to repeat. You a while ago you said I sh I don't think I should say this, but I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this the exact same thing. <laughs> if, if you're asking me, and I have to be a hundred percent honest. I will tell young players if they want to play the blues, uh, I think they should just listen to a lot of blues music. You know, that's my advice. If you if you want to be a more whole music whole musician or complete musician, well, of course uh, I would suggest musicians to go to school and prepare and study. But if you really want to be a blues musician, I mean, what who was BB King's teacher? You know, and, and how yeah. did BB King learn to read music? I don't think he did. You know, right. or all those great guys. I don't. I don't even think Robert Crave, who is a younger generation, can read music. Um, these guys just learned listening to the older generation, and the older generation learned by listening to the older older generation. Right. Um, so I'm I'm not saying don't go to school, don't study. There's a lot of ways to study guitar or music nowadays that like internet makes it a lot easier and everything. But if you really want to learn to play the blues and you want to sound genuine, just stick to what, stick to what comes out of your heart, you know? Yeah. So now the, the blues, I mean, even within the blues, there's a multitude of, of styles, you know, genres within that, you know, you got your Piedmont blues and your Delta blues yeah. and your Chicago blues and all that other kind of stuff. You know, there's, there's some guys that, like to stay really true, you know, to what they would call, you know, the, the Delta style blues, you know, or they stay, they stay true to one, one thing or another. And that, are you one of these guys that that's you or do you just soak it all up? I mean, there, cause there's so much there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. I don't, I don't tend to stay with just one type or one style. Um, I, I like to tell people when I, when I do interviews um, on the radio or on the internet uh, for magazines or articles that I like to think of myself as a blues musician who's heavily influenced by soul and rhythm and blues. Mm -hmm. um, because right now, there's a lot of great uh, talent out there in the blues, young talent. But I don't know if you've noticed, most of them, what they're doing is blending blues with rock. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes it sounds more like rock and roll than it sounds blues. Um, I was listening to a um, to a radio station yesterday, a blues radio station, um, and they so, someone was playing a. It was. It sounded to me like classic rock, and it it turns out to now they call it blues. Uh, so things have changed a lot, and that thing that's a that's a conversation for for another day because it's gonna t it will take us two hours here just talking about what's blues and what's not. <laughs> But um, I I I'm, I don't I don't stay in one type of blues. I like a lot a lot of types of blues, and but I can tell you I am heavily influenced by soul and rhythm and blues. And I like to think of myself as a blues artist that blends blues with those two genres. Right, right. Well, there's there's a lot of people. There's so many people, you know, in blues in the blues world that that do that, you know, uh, you know, very successfully, you know, there's a lot of great, a lot of great players, you know, you got your Tommy Castro and Walter Trout oh, yeah. and, mm -hmm. you know, there's just Coco Montoya and, you know, you connected with Anson Funderburg, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. That's you right. Know, I actually have had the, the pleasure of, of, uh, sharing the stage with Anson a couple of times back in, ah. the, back in the nineties. Wow. Okay, that's cool. That's awesome. You know, you want to hear something funny? My wife and I were going to get married. We were boyfriend and girlfriend at the time in Austin, Texas. I was in my mid-20s. Wow. We were down there on vacation, and we decided that we would just go down to the courthouse and get married. You know, we just thought, this is what we're going to do. And then I found out Anson Funderburg was playing at Antone's. Wow. And I only had so much money. So... <laughs> we ended up going and seeing Anson Funderburg and getting married later on down the road. Oh, my there. God. That's yeah. such a cool story. Yeah. Well, it's not cool to her. <laughs> it's cool to us. It's cool to us. <laughs> For those of us that love the blues, yeah. So, so uh, 
today, you know, let's, uh, you know, what's, what's your gear look like? If I come see you play, I, I notice, you know, from the videos and that, I've seen that you're, you usually had a Telecaster in your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, so if I come in, I see you play, what's your rig look like? Well, I, I like to think that I have a very simple gear, and I like to keep it that way. Um, my main guitar is a, uh, it's a, it's a tele, it's a Fender American original sixties tele. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a custom tele and, um, that's my main axe. Um, I, when I was a kid as well, I started playing elect, my first electric guitar was a telecaster. So I, I just feel very familiar with the fretboard and, and the way it sounds. And for some people, Tele's are hard to play, and I like to tell people, yes, Tele's are very honest guitars, you know. Uh, any little thing that you do on a Tele, if it's good, it sounds amazing. But if it's not that good, it's going to show. Mm-hmm. So I think you're able to hide more things if you play a Strat for some reason. Uh, so my main my main guitar is a Tele, and but I've been um, I've been playing my Strat more and more often these days as well. You trying to hide album, something? I'm sorry? You trying to hide something? Uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. <laughs> I said, are you trying to hide something? I'm trying to hide a lot of things <laughs> nowadays. I was, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, no, I've, I've always been a huge a huge fan of um, Anson and Jimmy Vaughn and, um, and Robert Gray and Ronnie Earl. So yeah. I finally was able to buy a good, good Stratocaster about a year ago. Um, one that I'm, I can say I'm proud of having and owning. And I've been studying that sound more. And it, I think it shows on the new album. I've played my Strat quite a lot in that new album. Mm-hmm. It's a, um, it's a 58, uh, Strat. It's a heavy relic. It's not a, a real 58, but, uh, it's a great custom Stratocaster. It's very solid. And it gives me that Anson, Jimmy Vaughn, Ronnie Earl tone, if you if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So are you you running the 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 uh, what kind of pickups are do you you know are you using are they like you know are they the um, you know the standard ones that that come with that model? Yeah. Or, okay. All right. Yeah. No, so the you, the you, ones the ones with the tele are the standard ones. Yeah. Uh, and the the Strat has fat fifties, I believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if you, you know some guys, you know, they they like to to toy with their their gear and you know modify it, however, you know, in different ways. And uh-huh. so I like to ask that question, find out what you're into, and in so what kind of amp you playing into? I'm gonna guess play, Fender. Yeah, definitely <laughs> Fender Reverb. Uh, okay. I play a deluxe reverb 65 reissue. Yeah. So. yeah, nice amp. Yeah, it's uh, it's very solid. It it works in small venues and it works in larger venues as well and yeah. like uh, festival stages as well. So it's very solid. It's very heavy. I wish it wasn't that heavy, but hey, good reverb amps are going to be heavy. <laughs> right, right. Are, are you? Uh, do you use you know any effects pedals or are you just running straight into the amp? Uh, I was, I've always played straight to the amp, always since I was a kid. Um, but when I moved here this last time, about a year and a half ago, um, a friend of mine sent me a link to a video of Robin Ford, uh, introducing this pedal as a, it's a boost pedal by Vertex. Yeah. Uh, and Robin Ford said, this is my favorite pedal. And he sounded so honest and, uh, he, he didn't sound like he was trying to sell the pedal. He sounded like he actually uses the pedal. Right. Um, and uh, he he played a demo with it. And I'm like, I love that because it just cle- it keeps your tone. It keeps your texture, but it, it just raises the volume up. That's right. what it does. Right. So I got myself one of those. And um, I have to admit that I use it. Yes, I use that pedal a lot, especially yeah. for solos. But I don't use any other effects i use the reverb on the amp a lot um as i was saying i I like ronnie earl's reverb kind of sound um so i use that on the amp but other than that i only use a um a sure uh wireless system yeah um and it also comes with a with an automatic tuner a pedal tuner yeah Um, and that's it that's it yeah 
Yeah, I, I actually I like the Vertex pedals. You know they they make they make some really nice pedals, and I'm very familiar with that Boost pedal. And yeah. uh, it, it does it doesn't alter your sound in any way, shape, or form, which is kind of nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've always used in the past. I've always used a uh, an EQ pedal uh-huh. as a boost pedal, right? Oh, okay. you can yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that way, you're like for me. If I wanted to, if I wanted my boost to have a hint of, you know, a little bit more mid or a little bit more treble or whatever I wanted in it, you know, I could adjust it. I adjust it okay. that way. I think it's the the earthquake is the brand it's it's a pedal called the tone job it's just four knobs you know bass treble mid and volume and that's it but oh, cool. uh, but yeah i i think it's nice i think it's really cool you know because there's a lot of guys that uh, they when they when they play or when they start to play they play with all these different effects and they don't really they don't really learn how to play they don't know how to you know kind of master you know the neck or you know how to bend and you know and yeah, control things yeah. and so you don't really know what the they don't really get their technique down and i think when you're going straight into the amp like that uh-huh. you know it, it, it really the technique has to really shine through yeah because it's not being colored by anything exactly that's the, the purest way and the cleanest and more, most organic way i think yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot of people that do that you know, uh, that play that way. And I think that's, that's really cool. So who inspires you today? I know you listen to lightning and BB King and, you know, you're connected to Anson and all these guys, but outside of that, you know, that original group of people in that, is there any guitar players out there? Not blues guys, just guitar players. And they can be, yeah, blues, yeah. but you know what I mean? Any, yeah, any guitar players? Cause you know, we're all inspired by other guitar players. So who's, Who's kind of on your radar, if anybody? You know, uh, I'll give you my very, very personal opinion, and it's nothing but that. Um, more and more often, I, I hear younger guitar players or more contemporary blues musicians right now. And if you pay attention to how they're playing, they they all want to sound like Joe Bonamassa. I'm not going to say that's right or that's wrong. I'm just going to say Joe Bonamassa burst into the scene about what 15 years ago and yeah. he started playing on his own way he's he was really genuine when he came out and nowadays you listen to all these new talents and kids playing blues rock they all want to sound like joe bonamassa uh again i'm not going to give any judgment there so with, with that said what, I, what i'm trying to make a statement here is that there is one guy that i consider contemporary that doesn't want to sound like that and that really sounds like himself, even though he's not he's not an older guy and he's not super young either, but he has a sound, and the way he plays, the way he sounds, uh, you can really tell his influences, and his playing is just very sweet. Uh, and I always give the same answer when they ask me this question. It's got to be uh, Guy King. I don't know if you know Guy King. Yeah, yeah. I'm very familiar with Guy. We're conne- yeah. yeah, we're connected on uh, social media, and I see his videos and Post and stuff all the time. Yeah, he's he's a purist too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, definitely. And uh, I've talked to Guy a couple times, and he was actually uh, he was supposed to be on my record uh, as a guest musician. Uh, he was really interested in being part of the album. I was honored that he wanted to be a part of it because also he knows Anson, and um, it was meant to happen. But last minute, he got booked for some shows in California the weekend that we were supposed to record in Austin. So he couldn't do it last minute. Uh, but we already talked about it and we're going to try to make it, make it work somehow on the next, on his next record or my next record. So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. So is there anything in particular, you know, uh, as a guitar player that you work on all the time in order to, to get better, you know, do you have like a routine practice time i know i know now things are a little bit different because unfortunately because of the whole virus and people are locked in and all that kind of stuff but i mean on a regular basis you know are you taking do you take time just to spend with the instrument so that you can improve and and learn new things and grow and and if so you know what's that look like yes and no yes and no I, i i don't have a routine per se i i do sit with my instrument every day almost every day 
uh, at least four or five times a week. I do take some time, uh, but it's not like, hey, I'm going to do this every day from six to eight. It's not that scheduled or programmed, but I do take some time. And what I what I really do is I, in the middle of the week, if, if I'm driving in my car and I'm listening to a record and I'm listening to a solo and I'm finding something interesting in that solo, I like to pick that and go back and, you know, uh, rewind the song and, and try to listen to that little piece or that little riff again. So if I go home and I like that riff I listened to, I just study that and, and play it and play it. Uh, it's all about riffs, little riffs. Sometimes I listen to a lot of records by Anson. I, I, I have so many records by him and, and the Rockets and Sam Myers. And that's, mm -hmm. I got my car, I mean, if I open, I'm in the car right now. So if I open my car right now where the, the CD is going in the middle, must have six Anson, Anson Thunderbird albums. <laughs> and I've been listening to them for many, many years. Uh, and I still find stuff that I'm like, man, what, what were you doing in that track, Anson? And he's like, I don't know anymore. Don't ask me <laughs> anymore. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like the same stuff that you listen to when you listen. I don't know if it happens to you, but when you listen to BB King, there's still things that there are still things that he used to do that you listen to nowadays that you're like, wow, how did he do that? How did he do that part? And how, how was he able to band that so naturally, so smoothly, you know? Yeah. So that's that's what I do. I take little riffs that I listen to and I want to emulate or copy or borrow. And I take my guitar every every day or so. And uh, and I just kind of study those, you know? Yeah. So the business of being a musician can be, it can be extremely brutal and difficult, you know. So what has the experience of moving from, you know, not being a professional musician to being a professional musician, what's that been like? Well, um, that's, that's an interesting question. I was talking just a couple nights ago with Robert at Blues, uh, Blue City Magazine because they're going to do a uh, little article on blues musicians who, who used to have a day job before being blues musicians. So I think they're going to do an article on me as well um, for the July edition. And it, it's a very, it's a very interesting answer because I was in Costa Rica. I could not afford to be just a musician, mm -hmm. especially playing blues music because no one would book me or hire me. Um, so I had to do a lot of things. I, I was, for a long time, I was a telephone representative for like Hewlett Packard, and I gave tech support uh, for printers and stuff like that. I was also an English teacher. That's that's what I studied. That's my degree. Yeah. Um, and I did that for a while as well, but I never felt happy. I never felt complete. Uh, I even tell people when I when I I used to go to college to study uh, to become an English teacher. All my, my classmates were so excited to be there, to study, to be English teachers, to become English teachers. And I did not have that flame inside of me burning. You know, I was like, what am I doing here? I should be home listening to music and playing my guitar and trying to book shows and trying <laughs> to prepare a band and that kind of stuff. So um, I always had it in me. And the transition, um, to answer your question, the transition has been... It's been difficult because yes, it's not it's not easy to be just a musician in the states either, especially if you just play blues. Um, blues is not a very um, a very it, it is popular in America more than it is in Costa Rica, but it's not uh, it doesn't pay well, you know. Yeah. Unless unless you're touring all year round and you have all your touring schedules and you have a manager to take care of that and you have a booking agent that's also taking care of your schedule and all of those things line up festivals european tours if all those things line up and you're actually busy as a musician you are able to make a living as a musician playing the blues but i understand that for most people that's not a reality and 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 that's where we go back to that famous click that we were talking about earlier uh, if you're part of that clique, you are able to work. You are um, you are booked. You are um, busy. But if you're not, it, it's difficult. So it's been difficult for me to get to to that point. I don't think I'm at that point yet. Uh, I I see myself being in that point 
at that point in my life, just being a very busy blues musician in the next couple of years, hopefully. But um, still working very hard at it and winning second place at the most recent IBC in Memphis. That's really boosted uh, my image as a musician and it's really helped my career. Yeah, that that's a that's a huge that's a huge thing, you know. Congrat- <laughs> congratulations on that. I know there's so many bands that participate, you know, yeah. in that from all over the country, and uh, you know, get, getting get, even getting to Memphis to begin with is, you know, is is daunting, you know. Yeah. Because there's <laughs> so, so many blue societies all over the place, you know, got their got their guys, and so so if. What advice would you give, you know, to other musicians that are trying to carve out a living, you know, playing music and that? I mean, we all know it's really difficult, but I don't know. What what kind of advice would you tell somebody? If I, if I wanted to play guitar for a living, what would you tell me, you know, are some, you know, key things that I should probably consider? Well, Jamie, it's, uh, it really depends on, on what type of, um, what type of music you you want to pursue as a career? Blues is it's not it's not easy anywhere. I don't think blues is an easy career in Costa Rica. I don't think it's an easy career here in America, and I don't think it's an easy career in Japan anywhere. It's a difficult career. It, it requires a lot of hard work. It requires a lot of self promotion. Um, mm-hmm. For a long for the longest time, I didn't have a booking agency, and for the longest time, I didn't have a publicist. Now, uh, thank God, I have those uh, two people that helped me out a lot. But that's just recent. It took me over 15 years of self-promotion. Um, so if you really want to play the blues, if you want to establish a career playing blues music as a guitar player, as a musician in general, you have to know that it, it's going to take time. Uh, and I, myself, I, I include myself when I say that I still get impatient sometimes when I don't see things get done. Um, sometimes I have phone conversations with my publicist and I'm like a little impatient, like, why aren't we accomplishing this? And why, why is my album still not being played here on this radio station? But I have to understand sometimes is I've been doing this for a long time since I started off in Costa Rica, but I'm, I'm still pretty, pretty new in America. So yeah, it takes time. It takes time. And I, I, advice younger musicians or whoever wants to make a living of playing blues music it's a rough career it's it's difficult it takes a lot of blood sweat and tears but at the end of the rainbow it i think every single painful day or painful night or painful experience is going to be worth it because i can tell you for from experience just playing that orpheum theater in memphis this past january and get getting second place out of 230 bands from all over, not just the States, but from all over the world. Mm. That night, I, I considered all the debts to be paid. Uh, it was it was all worth it that night in that, in that beautiful theater. Uh, so there are many things that have made this rough career be worthwhile, you know? Yeah. You know, there, there's so many things to be considered. I think, you know, when guys are setting out, you know, and they're starting to play guitar and they go, okay, yeah, this is what I want to do. I think there's so many things that, that people don't understand that uh, come into play. You know, like you mentioned some of them, like being able to self-promote and self-book, you know, being yeah. able to handle, you know, any aspect of, uh, you know, radio promotion and, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it might possibly be, because getting somebody like Rick Booth or, or whoever to pay attention, pay attention to you, to book you and stuff like that is really yes. extremely difficult. You almost, it have, is, yeah. you have to be well established before people even pay attention to you. Yep. It really yeah. is difficult, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what's next? I mean, what are you going to do next? I know right now, you know, everything is kind of at a, at a, at a standstill and stuff to some degree. And that, are you working on, are you writing new songs? Are you planning on, you know, a tour when this is over with? Uh, yes, actually. Well, <laughs> it, it's what's been happening is very complicated for, I think just not just for me and the band, but everybody's taking a big hit right now. Uh, club owners, festival buyers, uh, everybody's taking a big hit. And, 
soon after the um, right after the IBC accomplishment, uh, the album was going to be supposed to be uh, released earlier than late May. Uh, so it was it was supposed to be you know, winning second place at the IBC right next to releasing the album and touring the album in, in America and then touring the album in Europe. And it was all hit and damaged by the COVID. Uh, so the U.S. tour was supposed to happen um, June and July. Uh, we had over 24, 25 dates confirmed all over the country playing Buddy Guys, Legends, B.B. Uh, King's Blues Club in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we were going to play uh, the Bradsville Blues Club down in Florida. Uh, many, many uh, blues joints uh, all over the country. And that all got postponed. Uh, so we are already trying to reschedule some of those dates for later on the year or even into 2021. Uh, we were supposed to come back from the U.S. tour in late July, have a couple of weeks of vacation or, or rest, and then we had to get ready to go to Europe for a month in August. That got canceled already, and we are looking at 2021 to reschedule that European tour. Mm. Um, so it's it's all been affected, Jimmy, very, very affected, and unfortunately for everybody uh we're all like frozen right now you know it's uh when is this going to go back we don't know um i'm talking to club owners right now in the states all over the states to try and reschedule our dates some of them know that they won't be opening anytime soon some of them don't even know if they're going to open next week or next year you know right. so it's difficult right now but yes uh the, the one thing that's kind of positive out of all of this is that the album release is still scheduled for uh, May 29th. So in like, I don't know, eight, 10 days. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we are, we are very excited about that. I wanted to, I wanted to keep the album release happening because it's the only thing that's going to keep me and has been keeping me close to the audience right now. Uh, and we've been getting great reviews already and a lot, lots of airplay even before the album is out. So we're very excited. Yeah. Well, I noticed, you know, you did a, a Facebook thing last night. And yeah. is, is, are you doing that regularly? And are you offering to, you know, to give lessons and things like that in this downtime? Or have uh, you thought about that? Yeah. Well, I have been doing the sessions every Tuesday night. I had to stop for a couple of weeks because I was moving from Washington, D.C. down to Tampa, Florida. Okay. Um, so that moving process took took about two weeks actually and i had to stop doing it but i had been doing it for like a month and now i restarted them again yesterday last night mm -hmm. and yeah i plan on doing them plan on doing those every tuesday night uh it's a nice I, I think one one hour hour and a half a week is it's good you know just to get in touch with your friends with your fans with everybody who wants to join in and ask questions it's more like a like a q a and also I do some playing. It's nothing really practiced or 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 prepared. It's just very uh, organic. Whatever comes up, um, and I'll, I'll keep doing those every every Tuesday night at eight p.m. Eastern on my Facebook. And as far as lessons, no, no lessons as of right now. I've <laughs> been getting some requests for lessons, but I always tell people, hey, I never had a lesson myself, yeah. so. I cannot give a lesson myself. I've helped people in the past, especially when I was living in Costa Rica. I helped guitar players that used to come to my shows and they're like, well, how can you play those licks? And I'm like, okay, I, I can teach you how to play those licks, but I cannot teach you how to play the blues. That's, that's something that you have to do on your own and you have to listen to a lot of music and do a lot of research. But, um, yeah, so no lessons for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> I know some some guys, you know, are are into you know, and other people, you know, for whatever reason, you know. I me personally, I don't have the patience. I've done it. Yeah. But I I really don't have the patience. I I like to to consider myself a motivator and inspire in other ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I tell you what, Jose, it's been uh, it's been a real pleasure you know, meeting you and, and talking to you and that. I, I look forward to when you play buddy guys, I'm going to come see you play. So oh, uh, that would be awesome. So be prepared. I want to bring a crowd of people and we're going to yell a lot. That's nice. We love those. <laughs> I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only kidding. And that, so, so you stay safe 
And uh, thank you so much once again for having me, Jimmy. It's been a pleasure, and I hope we stay in touch. Yeah, sounds good, Jose. Thank you so much, buddy. Have a good one. You too. Bye. All right, so there you have it, everybody. Jose Ramirez. His new album is called Here I Come. Uh, man, he's really good. Good cat. You know, so follow him on Facebook, follow him on uh, Instagram and Twitter and all those places. Go to his website. And when he comes to your town, make sure you go see him and tell him that Jimmy said, hey, <laughs> all right, that I told you to go. So just go check him out. So, yeah, you know, um, if uh, you're really getting something out of these podcasts, you know, your support would really be appreciated. Uh, we've got some buttons on some of our sites, our website, and some of the uh, streaming sites where you can uh, support us. Uh, you can do this as a one-time gift, or you can do it on a monthly basis, regardless of how you do it. You know, it's really, really appreciated. Um, also, too, make sure you're following us on all the streaming sites. Just click that button that says follow on Spotify and Google and Apple and all that stuff. And then... Um, you know, go to our Facebook page, you know, my Facebook page, Jimmy Warren Radio, and uh, and hit the like button. You know, go to my, my own personal page, Jimmy Warren, and, you know, click to be a friend. You know, follow me on Instagram and Twitter and uh, those other areas. Also, we've got Guitar Talk, uh, Jimmy Warren Radio on YouTube. You can please go there and subscribe to that as well. We appreciate you paying attention to this. You know, we love bringing you these guitar players. We love talking about this stuff, and, uh, you know, it brings us a lot of joy, and hopefully you're getting a lot out of it yourself. So we appreciate you tuning in tonight. Make sure you're going to jimmywarrenofficial.com forward slash guitar talk to get all the information on all the guests that are coming because we've got some great people coming we got kurt fletcher coming we got george lynch coming we got orianthi coming we got matt schofield still coming so there's a lot of great players out there that we will be bringing to you here in the very near future so thank you so much for tuning in to guitar talk today my name's jimmy warren you guys all have a safe day <laughs>